morning, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, this is Eagle on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. You know what I'm uh, kind of surprised by? There hasn't been a whole lot of, like, big security breach news lately. At least not to the degree that it was in the past. Though maybe that could just be because Activision Blizzard so thoroughly captured everyone's attention that such minor things as ransomware just kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Well, in any case, let's actually just get the update on Activision Blizzard out of the way right now. Rather than dawdle on it any further. We still do have much more coming up, including a very in-depth look at Title 20, which has led to a lot of clickbait articles saying that gaming PCs are being banned in the state of California. No, they are not. I'll just tell you that right now. It is a thousand percent clickbait. They're not being banned in California. It's much more complicated than that. We'll get to that later. First off though, Activision Blizzard. This is now the fourth statement Activision Blizzard has made in regards to the lawsuit against themselves. This one, however, is from CEO Bobby Kotick to the entire company. This was sent on July 27th, 2021. I'm gonna read it verbatim and interject where I feel appropriate. This has been a difficult and upsetting week. I want to recognize and thank all those who have come forward in the past and in recent days. I so appreciate your courage. Every voice matters and we will do a better job of listening now and in the future. Let me interject. So you notice right off the bat, we want to go ahead and just sneak in the buzzword courage. But then also one other thing that's, that stands out is I, I recognize and thank everyone who's come forward in the past and now, but only now are we actually going to listen and, and in the future, hopefully. So if you had the courage to come in the past, just by this first paragraph, we didn't care. Kind of a weird phrasing, but here we are. The letter continues. Our initial responses to the issues we faced together and to your concerns were, quite frankly, tone deaf. Let me interject. No! Really? Shut the front door. You mean trying to say that a lawsuit that directly attacked the way that your company is ma is managing itself and saying that it was California's fault for daring to question it was tone deaf? No way. Incredible. We're only four sentences in, and it's hard for me to just not shake my head and laugh. 
but we're going to press forward. The letter continues. It is imperative that we acknowledge all perspectives and experiences and respect the feelings of those who have been mistreated in any way. I am sorry that we did not provide the right empathy and understanding. Many of you have told us that active outreach comes... Give me a second. I'm actually going to zoom in a little bit because this text is getting a little hard for me to read here. There we go. That's better. Anyway, many of you have told us that active outreach comes from caring so deeply for the company that so many people have reached out and shared thoughts, suggestions, and highlighted opportunities for improvement is a powerful reflection of how you care for our communities of for our communities of colleagues and players and for each other ensuring that we have a safe and welcoming work environment is my highest priority let me interject no kotek i'm sorry but uh if there's anything that reflecting on how wow has been managed over the last, oh, ever since Activision took over, I guarantee you, guarantee you, that a welcoming work environment is not your highest priority. The highest priority is profits. It has been blatantly obvious from the get-go. And the amount of money you have saved in HR by clearly not caring is clear evidence of that that and also you know the quality of games and the fact that you know the same games rehashed over and over and over and over again with call of duty is just obvious the letter continues the leadership team has heard you loud and cleared <laughs> let me interject again are you sure are you sure the leadership team has heard the employees loud and clear and not, you know, the lawsuit and the headlines loud and clear that then made you turn your head and go, oh, maybe we should do something about that dumpster fire over there. The letter continues. We are taking swift action to be compassionate. I'm sorry. We are taking swift action to be the compassionate, caring company you came to work for and to ensure a safe environment. There is no place anywhere in our company for discrimination, harassment, or unequal treatment of any kind. Let me interject again. I want you to keep this line in mind, all right? Keep this line in mind. There is no place anywhere in our company for discrimination, harassment, or unequal treatment of any kind. Keep this in mind, okay? You got it? Got it memorized? All right, we continue. We will do everything possible to make sure that together we improve and build the kind of inclusive workplace that is essential to foster creativity and inspiration. We see that word inclusive. Again. All right, we've got, got there. We've got two buzzwords already. All right. I have asked the law firm 
Wilmer Hale to conduct a review of our policies and procedures to ensure that we have and maintain best practices to promote a respectful and inclusive workplace. This work will begin immediately. The Wilmer Hale team will be led by Stefanin Avakin, who I have most likely mispronounced. That's not actually said in the layer. That should be talking there. Who is a member of the management team at Wilmer Hale and was most recently the director of the United States Securities and Exchange Commission's Division of Enforcement. We encourage anyone with an experience you believe violates our policies or in any way made you feel uncomfortable in the workplace and use any of our many existing channels for reporting or to reach out to Stephine. Let me interject for a second. Why the heck would they use any of the existing channels reporting this if doing that for the past at least two years led to exactly nothing? The letter continues. She and her team at William Hale will be available to speak with you on a confidential basis and can be reached at, and then the letter gives an email and phone number. I will not read it into this microphone because I'm not going to lie. I don't know if this, oh, I know this actually is directly from Activision. So I guess they are comfortable revealing that email and phone number. I thought for a second, this was a leaked email, but nope, this is directly from Activision.com. All right. Well, that's a thing. Still not reading it though. Uh, you can find it easily. Your outreach will be kept confidential, of course. No retaliation will be tolerated. We are committed to lo long lasting change. Effectively, immediately, we will be taking the following actions. One, employee support. We will continue to investigate each and every claim and will not hesitate to take decisive action. To strengthen our capabilities in this area, we are adding additional senior staff and other resources to both the compliance team and the employee relations team. I also want to quickly interject and just say, I don't know why, but this copy of the email I have has the majority of the email in like size 10 font, but then the actions being taken are in size 14 font. I have a theory as to why, but I just want that to be known. The letter continues. Two, listening sessions. We know many of you have inspired ideas on how to improve our culture. We will be creating safe spaces, another buzzword there, moderated by third parties for you to speak out and share areas for improvement. Let me just interject real quickly. Here is a very good idea right off the bat. And it, believe it or not, is a very old idea in the workspace. Don't drink at work. Just throwing it out there. 
The letter continues. Personnel changes. We are immediately evaluating managers and leadership across the company. Anyone found to have impeded the impeded the integrity of our process for evaluating claims and imposing appropriate and imposing appropriate consequences will be terminated. Number four, hiring practices. Earlier this year, I sent an email requiring all hiring managers to ensure we have a diverse candidate slates for all open positions. I will be ad adding compliance resources to ensure that our hiring ma managers are in fact adhering to this directive. Let me interject real quick. What does that have to do with any of this? You don't have a diversity problem. Diversity is not what's gotten you in here. And that's one buzzword that keeps popping up over and over and over and over again in every single one of these Blizzard Blizzard statements. They just want to make sure we, we have a diverse workforce. We have a diverse workforce. Yes, we get it. You are sexually harassing people of all races equally. Good job. You know what maybe you should do? Stop sexually harassing your workers. Look the frick out. But no, God forbid. Let's just keep going in and trying to push the word diverse on honest. We got to go ahead and ha have that buzzword in so that people think we're good. But I digress. Let's proceed onward. And then I will give, I'll, I'll then tell you what I really feel. In-game changes. We have heard the input from employees and player communities that some of our in-game content is inappropriate. We are removing that content. That last one. I want to talk a bit more about, but again, we're going to just quickly finish off because we're almost at the end. Your well-being remains my priority and I will spare no company resource ensuring that our company has the most welcoming, comfortable, and safe culture possible. You have my unwavering commitment that we will improve our company together and we will be the most inspiring, inclusive entertainment company in the world. Yours sincerely, Bobby. All right. This letter especially, but all of the previous responses from Blizzard, you know what they smell like to me? Have you ever played a visual novel or a dating sim? What ends up inevitably happening, because at some point, visual novels and dating sims alike tend to go on and on and on and on. You eventually start to tune it out, but you're able to get a perfect score anyway because you just look for keywords and you just try to just pick whatever option has that keyword to make sure you get the best score possible. I feel like that's what the Blizzard HR team is doing right now. They are just going through and just making sure they contain as many virtue signaling buzzwords as possible because that's how they've just proceed onward rather than addressing the problem head on. And the problem is the fact that your HR department has been abysmally terrible. 
there's no other way to look at what's happened at Blizzard and how this lawsuit has been going down and the quality of their games as a whole and look at it as anything other than HR failing completely and utterly failing to see what the heck is going on with their management and the harassment that has been coming as a result. And what's even worse is that this letter directly from the head guy himself also reeks of these same, these exact same. Gotta make sure the, the word inclusive include. Gotta make sure we include the word safe space. We gotta make sure we include this, that, the other thing. We gotta make sure we seem as freaking woke as possible. Not realizing this isn't about trying to just look as politically correct as possible the problem is that you have an hr failure stop caring about the buzzwords actually address the problem and granted hiring this firm would appear to be a great first step going ahead and laying out what you're going to be doing even though Two of these things basically amounts to trying to save PR face as much as possible. I mean, what in-game changes really needed to be changed? Oh, hey, we, we, we have like one dev who we found out was molesting workers. I don't want to get rid of them. I guarantee you nobody in the player community cared. I guarantee you no one in the player community even knew that an NPC was based on an employee or management. Aside from like the biggest diehard in the know WoW players ever. And they're also going to be the only people who are going to notice it missing. And especially, especially the fact that whenever there is an influencer or any other personality that there is even a whiff of scandal with. Blizzard drops them like a hot potato, but when it's internal, they have to save face as much as possible and draw it out for as long as possible and just continue this nonsense. But this, go this gets even better. Because in addition, you have before this letter was released the employees were staging a walkout and Blizzard knowing that the eyes of literally everyone is staring at them what do they do we're gonna go ahead and make sure that uh, we put this out and we go put out a letter and say you know we're not gonna hold it against anyone see yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go ahead, the, the walkout can happen. No one's gonna face retaliation. Oh God, just, just don't sit in there. But as far as this firm, wanna know a secret? The firm is infamous 
for busting unions. So employees organize a walkout and you hire a firm specifically that goes in and tries to bust up unions. Any good this letter could have gotten you. Like a snap of a finger. Gone. It's up in smoke. Because you went ahead and hired this specific firm to review their your HR policies. But now all of a sudden, you know, now everyone starts to wonder, is that really what's going on? Are we really reviewing the HR problem? Because, again, that's what you have. You have an HR problem. You have a serious HR problem. And what really should be done is every single body in that HR department should be fired. Every single one of them. Because what good is an HR department if it's, if it's not going to manage any of the HR? If it's not going to lift a finger and all they're going to do is play Call of Duty while freaking your management team is getting blackout drunk and your cubicles look like college dorm rooms, what's the blasted point of having the HR department at all? But now everyone's going to wonder, are they really hired in to look at the HR department or are they going in to make sure that there's no more walkouts? Bravo, Blizzard. Bravo. You somehow managed to dump more gasoline on the fire. I don't know how you did it. You had one job. You had one job and it amounted to just a handful of words. We're looking into it. I am so glad I have dumped every drop of Blizzard out of my... I am just so done with Blizzard. And the fact that they just continue to do things like this that just seem more and more sketch. So glad my streaming career does not revolve around World of Warcraft or Overwatch at all. I actually did plan on trying to do uh, Warcraft 3 on stream at some point. But I think I can live safely without doing that. We're going to take our first break here. When we come back, we have some very interesting stories regarding Oculus, Apple, and of course, Title 20. No, your gaming PCs are not banned in California, but it's still really, really stupid. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. 
I'm Eagle Falcon. So, moving on from Activision Blizzard, we have, there is a voluntary recall of the Quest 2 involving the foam facial interface. Apparently, for whatever reason, the a very small percentage of users who have ex- have experienced skin irritation from the foam portion of the fatal face bleh, the facial interface that rests upon the skin of the face. Let, I'll just say this much. If you have an Oculus Quest 2, you absolutely should take part in this recall. And if you can, just get your money back. Just do it. Just just get out of the Oculus Quest ex- or just the Oculus experience as a whole. If you have learned nothing from me, you should take any chance you can to get out of the Oculus life and instead just do literally anything else with that. Because holy cow, the Facebookification of the Oculus franchise has just absolutely killed the brand for life. So you should absolutely take advantage of this recall and literally go do anything else with it. Literally anything. Just go turn in your Oculus Quest 2 and buy pillows. Just make a pillow fort. In fact, just strap a pillow to your head. That's going to cause less damage to you than the amount of data mining and bad experiences you're going to get from using an Oculus Quest 2 anyway. And that's assuming you don't get a rash from it. So there you go. Have fun with that. Apple has released a new iOS update, which you should go ahead and grab iOS 14.7.1. And it, in fact, fixes an Apple Watch bug. A bug, in fact, that caused the Apple Watch to just lock up. Good job, Apple. So, go update your iPhone. Update it now. Meanwhile, in other sections of the Apple world, the iPhone 14 Pro in the year 2022... For some reason, we're talking about the iPhone 14 Pro instead of the 13 that's coming out in a couple months. Will apparently have a titanium alloy frame. In addition to everything else, because this is what we're reduced to now with Apple rumors. There's only so much innovation that can happen now in the smartphone space. I mean, it's true. Let's... Let's just get right down to it. There, what innovations do we foresee in the phone space? There's the folding screen, which is currently dead on arrival because of the fragility of it. Better cameras, which there is now just a colossal arms race to trying to squeeze DSLR quality into a phone. Durability. How many ports can we remove from the blasted phone? And high refresh screens. 
as well as also underscreen front-facing camera to get rid of the notch, to get rid of the problem that Apple introduced in the first place. I still can't believe Apple introduced t- removing a chunk of the screen for the camera to create this ugly shape you now have to deal with. And everyone else was dumb enough to follow in Apple's footsteps. Why? Why was everyone this freaking dumb? No, I still can't get over it. It is freaking how many years down the road? It is now four years down the road, I think. I don't know. And everyone, everyone still bought into it. Hook, line, and sinker. It's the same reason why we don't have headphone jacks either. Because Apple did it. And everyone realized, oh, we can remove the headphone jack and then sell $200 wireless earbuds and make our money back that way. Ah, that's smart. And that's why none of us had headphone jacks anymore, including you know what the worst part is i am more angry at samsung for it than i am at apple apple was the one who initially started this whole thing but samsung despite the fact that samsung screamed up and down we would never ever do anything that stupid and lo and behold they're being more apple than apple Yes, I'm still salty about it. I'm going to be salty about it until frickin' Samsung mate has flagships that are sub $1,000 again. But I seriously doubt that's not going to happen. Meanwhile, LG, the last phone maker to actually go ahead and uh, make competent phones, stop making competent phones. But here's what's really, really sad. You wanna know what's really sad? The LG phone and uh, uh, the LG store in South Korea is now selling iPhones. <sighs> That's what's really, really sad. That's what's really sad right there. Someone in chat says, welcome to the Apple Wars, Apple versus Samsung. You know what the worst part is? It's no longer Apple versus Samsung. It's Apple, it's... Who's even on the side of the average consumer nowadays? It's like no one. That, that's the worst part about the smartphone world right now. You've got Samsung that makes like a handful of phones that actually are remotely close to being user-friendly. Like the, I think the A80 is a Samsung phone that has a headphone jack and whatnot. The 
There's like a couple Chinese makers that make an okay flagship phone, but there's still a lot of quirkiness and also a lot of questionable software that's loaded on them. LG was like the last one and they're gone. I guess Motorola. No. Sony. Sony, I think, is the last one that actually has, like, a really good flagship. And they've only recently come back that actually have a decent flagship with high performance, with a good camera, with a headphone jack. Otherwise, Samsung's fallen into the same trap. LG's just gotten out of the game. OnePlus has fallen into the same trap. Huawei is... Huawei. Maybe Motorola. Maybe Motorola is on the side of the people. That might be our closest bet. And that's just really, really sad. Or Asus. Asus actually does have some really good, um, flexible phones. I don't mean flexible, like, bendable. I mean flexible as in, like, capabilities. Even though the later iteration could be snapped in half. That being said, the Huawei has introduced a new flagship phone. But the problem is that it is... Um... What's the right word for it? Bizarre. The Huawei P50 Pro has two gigantic, and I do mean gigantic, circles on the back, making it look like the phone has two giant anime eyes gazing back at you, which they quite possibly are, but um, it's running its own internal harmony os which is just android with a bit of huawei's nonsense tagged on a uh, a qualcomm soc apparently even though later on in the article it talks about its own internal kieran soc as well as having absolutely no 5g whatsoever so yeah, Huawei launched a new phone. You can't get a hold of it because there's still an export ban on Huawei products because Huawei still keeps doing really, really shady stuff. Speaking of shady stuff, I have a question for you. You, the listener. Have you ever heard of a YouTuber known as Jim Browning? There is a segment of YouTube known as scam baiters. What they do is they specifically either A, give scammers a hard time, or B, string along a scammer to either gain control of their computer and try to shut down 
their own scamming operation or just to simply waste their time. Jim Browning is arguably one of the greatest at this test. Jim Browning has actually gone in, take control of the closed circuit camera TV system in a lot of these call centers and has actually gone and successfully shut down a good number of these scam call centers. Why am I talking about him? Well, there is a YouTube scam. And it actually got Mr. Jim Browning. It's actually also gotten a number of other YouTubers. The scam starts as follows. You first get an email and it is from an at google.com address saying that you have a duplicate AdSense account linked up to your YouTube account. As a result, your, your account will be suspended unless you contact us. Now this scam works really well just for the fact that YouTube is notoriously bad at communicating anything. So for example, it would be easy to say notice if you're getting a fraudulent email from say a lawyer. Because there are certain mannerisms you know a lawyer is gonna do. There are certain mannerisms you know you're gonna get from like your accountant or your antivirus or anything like that or PayPal. It's because their manner of communication is well known. YouTube's is so notoriously non-existent, you don't have anything to cross-reference. So the scam then proceeds and they tell you to connect to them via a Google chat, which of course they're just gonna go ahead and use a Google chat. How would you know what Google would use? You don't cause YouTube never contacts anyone. But the big red flag which you may or may not notice at this point, because everything else has seemed on the up and up, is the fact that the person contacting you in the chat is YouTube at creator-partners.com. As opposed to, you know, literally anything at youtube.com. But if you don't notice this small detail, you'd be none of the wiser. The scam then proceeds on to try and tell you to create a second account and then delete the original and then transfer your stuff to the new account as such, which apparently is not all that abnormal for YouTube to do in the case of restoring count details. For what reason, I don't know. But it just seems kind of bizarre that part of the thing, part of the steps of deleting a second AdSense account attached to a YouTube account requires creating a second account, but whatever. 
But of course, by doing this, you delete your primary account. So years upon years of work of Jim Browning shutting down scam centers and the videos resulting from it gone. He then, of course, became wise of the scam once the scammer wanted Jim to go ahead and fill out a form, which asked for very suspicious details like, you know, your password. But of course, by then, your account is gone. If you want more details on it, I do recommend checking checking it out. I don't know what Jim Browning's new YouTube page is because going to youtube.com slash Jim Browning takes you to some random guy now. But if you, if you Google up uh, Jim Browning, his most recent video as of the time of recording this discusses in great detail how the scam works. But the reason I bring up this story is not to make fun of a legend in the scam-busting world. It is, in fact, to bring up a lesson, the same lesson that Jim Browning himself wanted to give by bringing up his misfortune. It is that no matter who you are, no matter how in the know how skeptical you are or how much how wise you are to these kinds of scams anyone can fall victim to these sort of things anyone can and you should always always be aware We're going to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to discuss the Title 20 story as well as, of course, the wonderful clickbait headline, California banning Alienware PCs. They aren't, but they are. We'll get to that. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so you have seen these clickbait headlines probably pop up if if you try to get on this. And quite a few people also tweeted out the image of Dell saying, hey, you cannot order this computer because it cannot be shipped to the state of California, Washington, Oregon, Vermont, or Hawaii. That it does not be a regulation. Wait. Does this mean... The state of California is banning gaming computers? Yeah, no. It's more complicated than that. It's 
way more complicated than that. It is so complicated, not even the state of California can explain how complicated it is. I'm not even kidding. As of the time of recording this podcast, if you go ahead and go to the CEC, the California Electronics Commission, and try to look up the regulation for what's going on with P- with gaming PCs and monitors and what's going into effect, you get a 404 error code. I kid you not. It is incredible. So what this is in regards to is first off, this is referred to as Title 20. This is legislation that was passed back in 2016 but it is regulations that didn't go into effect until roughly 2020 and was being implemented in phases. The most recent phase, phase two, came into effect in July 1st, 2021. This specifically regulates the idle power consumption of PCs or computers or whatever the heck you want to call it. And the only reason I was able to find this is because of other tech outlets, Jay's Two Cents by far having the most information, and Intel. You want to actually get information out of, out of the actual government implementing this nonsense, you were SOL. You had to go to Intel to get the info because God forbid a regulating body actually does its job right. But this gets even more bizarre. So the only thing being regulated in regards to the PCs is how much power they're consuming in their various idle states. Computers have different states of being idle. There is the state of idle when you're just doing nothing except for, you know, just staring at a web page, basically doing nothing else. There's the state of idle when the computer actually is in a light sleep mode, then a deep sleep mode, or then in hibernation. And then also when it's off. But it basically goes into a massive, overly complicated screw-off formula that is also then put into different tiers based on the expandability of the computer. The less expandable the computer is, the the, the more strict the regulations are on it. Basically, these regulations absolutely put a massive squeeze on small form factor gaming computers. If you, if any manufacturer tries to go ahead and make a console competitor, it has to meet very strict power consumption versus a big, fat, two foot tall, dual, RTX 3090 TI RAR XD 
gaming rig. And keep in mind, this is in regards to idle power consumption, the various stages of idle consumption, mind you. But it even gets down to the point of the formula, including how much, how much power is being consumed by the memory and also what speed the memory runs at and thus determine. And I'm not even kidding. The speed of the memory plays a role into how much power your computer is allowed to consume. How many ethernet ports the computer has, how many USB ports the computer has all play a role and also how much power is allowed to be draw drawn from said USB ports. And yes, there is even a, a calculation for laptops shipped to the state. Oh, but this gets even better. This gets even better. <laughs> because if it, because if the computer falls into any of the following categories, if it's a small scale server, high expandability computer, mobile workstation or workstation, it then falls into a different tier of how it's regulated and basically says, okay, you just need a, a 80 plus gold power supply. And also your computer must go into sleep mode after 15 minutes of inactivity and into a deep sleep mode within 30 minutes of inactivity. However, if it is a server or a rack mount workstation, it does not have to meet those sleep requirements because that would defeat the whole bloody purpose of it and would just pretty much force every single data center to just flee California. Oh, but you want to know it's even better. You want to know it's even better because this gets better. All of these regulations I just described, every single one of them, only applies to computers shipping into the state. So if you go ahead and order your workstation, it just has to ship in having sleep mode enabled at 15 minutes or hibernate within 30. Once it's in, just set them both to never. And you are still in compliance. And no, it does not apply to you if you go ahead and just order all the parts yourself and build the system. The part that slays me the most of course of all this is the fact that title 20 
originally was made in California. And because of because of the way the West Coast Coast Coalition is, the state of Washington, Oregon, Vermont, and Hawaii all adopted it. Basically, legislatures at in the state of Washington, Oregon, Vermont, and Hawaii are so brain dead, they just assume whatever the heck California does, we should do it too because it's automatically good, even though the entire regulation is basically one giant freaking migraine to anyone wanting to go ahead and sell a computer pre-built in the state of California, but then any sort of good regulating it can be undone like that. But again, this regulation is just phase two. I don't even remember what phase one was. It was something regarding like light bulbs or some stupid nonsense like that. I, I really didn't care. Phase three, however, affects monitors. Oh yes. And unfortunately, you can't just assemble your own monitor in the state of California. Basically, the regulation is going to affect and it uses a stupid formula that includes, and I'm not even exaggerating, that includes the size of the monitor, whether it is an OLED, LED, LCD, which is also LED and also LCD, and classification of monitor and uses it all in a giant complex formula that literally no one cares about or no one except the manufacturers have to really like actually care about. It's basically gonna get to the point that uh, if you wanna go ahead and get some of them good monitors and you're in the state of, uh, if you're in one of those states, uh, you're basically gonna be cross crossing the state border and uh, trying to order it there. Or, or you go ahead and contact a friend who lives outside of that state, have them buy it and have them then ship it to you. So you can get some of that good stuff. But this then led to a very interesting little investigation. Since it's measuring the amount of power that's drawn from the wall, how much power does your monitor draw when it's off? And this led to a very interesting discovery that actually really should be addressed. Apparently, G-Sync monitors, these are monitors that are compatible with NVIDIA GPUs and use, a, a hard, use hardware on both ends to make sure that there is no screen tearing and have a variable refresh rate. G-Sync monitors apparently consume 14 watts when off. Fourteen watts. That's almost three standard. Well, not anymore. It's not. There'd be three three old school cell phone chargers. 
while it's off. Heck, I think my freaking audio mixer here consumes less than 14 watts while active. I'd have to check, but I'm fairly certain my one of my LED bulbs for my spotlights is just a little bit over 14 watts. Someone in chat thinks my mixer takes 30 watts. I'm not going to lie. I don't know. I know the miniature version only consumes 5 watts. But I have the full version. Let's take a look. But to get back back on point, it's just kind of crazy. Absolutely crazy. According to the documentation from the manufacturer of my mixer, the power consumption is apparently 10 watts. That is apparently what GoXLR says, which is what my mixer is. It is a full-size GoXLR. It says it uses it. it. They claim power consumption, 10 watts. 12-volt DC, 1-amp. But that's still kind of crazy that these monitors not displaying anything, just sitting there idle, waiting for an input. So that is, um, that is that. That is pretty much the story of uh, Title 20. So, to recap, once again, no, the state of California is not banning gaming PCs. They are banning PCs that do not fall in with, within a certain very complicated range of power efficiency based on the kind of computer it is. The Dell ones just don't fall into that compliance territory. And as a result, only certain version of their Alienware PCs are certified to be sold in those states. And that's just... All there is to it. Eventually, Dell clearly wants to switch over to the 12-volt only standard, which is going to most likely make their PCs all fall into compliance with this rule, though I'm not 100% certain because not even the state of California knows what its own rule is, seeing as how it is a giant 404 error. So yeah, 
It's all clickbait. And in the end, this will most likely not affect much of anyone. So there you go. I think we're going to take one last break here when we come back. Let's talk about the AMD Radeon RX 6600 XT and what it means for the GPU space. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. A new GPU has launched, but this time we might actually care. Mostly because, well, we're on the we're at we're at the we're on the downhill part of the GPU crisis of 2021, right? 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 Well, let's first talk about the GPU. AMD has announced the Radeon RX 6600 XT, which is a RTX 3060 competitor for about $50 more than the 3060 is supposed to sell for. And I want to point out that the dollar amount is almost irrelevant because they're going to be scalped. So the question is for how much or will supply be able to meet the demand? Keep in mind, the main thing that has been supporting the scalping is the fact that you had cryptocurrency miners that were willing to buy these GPUs at practically any cost because to them it wasn't a part for a computer. It was a money printer. And well, for a good money printer, $2,000 is a small price to pay to print out more than $2,000. But since cryptocurrency is now very quickly becoming less and less profitable and more and more GPUs that are being used as cryptocurrency miners are hitting the used market, well, this is good, right? It means the scalping won't be as bad and the price of used GPUs is going down, which means the scalpers are going to be in, in hot water, right? Well, hopefully. The 6600 XT is being marketed as a 1080p card at 160 watt TDP. It is supposed to be able to basically just do 1080p really, really well. And for the most part, that's what the average consumer really wants. Most PC gamers don't really care about 1440p or 4K or anything of that nature. That really is only something that like the highest end PC gamers or PC enthusiasts really, really care about. Most people just only care about 1080p because that's perfectly fine. So fortunately we have that to the we, we have that and everything regarding GPU shortage is going to be great, right? Well, about that. Intel says that 
there will still be CPU stock shortages in the near future. And in fact, there is going to be a big supply problem apparently in Q3. At least that's what Intel is saying. And Intel for has the benefit of the fact that they have their own fabrication operation. So that's kind of concerning to make things even worse. Remember how I said that cryptocurrency was becoming less and less profitable. Unfortunately, Amazon might have in fact, um, ruined all of that. Amazon had a job application up trying to say that they were looking for quote a digital currency and blockchain production lead to look at how amazon customers pay which unfortunately caused the price of bitcoin to go up in fact at the time of recording this the cryptocurrency market is ba -ba -da -ba -da -ba -da -ba -da, very slowly loading on my on my on my little phone here very lo loading even slowlier currently bitcoin is sitting at forty two thousand dollars whereas in fact not too long ago it was sitting as low as thirty thousand and unfortunately ethereum as well is seeing a big boost just in the last day, they saw a huge spike up. They are currently sitting at $2,545 per unit of Ethereum. Whereas before, they were sitting as low as $1,700. And unfortunately, as the price of Ethereum and Bitcoin go up, so does the desire to mine cryptocurrency, which is then going to, in turn, increase demand of GPUs and increase the price of GPUs. <sighs> Just as we were starting to see as soon as we were starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel we were almost there we were almost there and unfortunately it looks like it might be a little bit longer that being said I would not mind being wrong at all in this case but I gotta say what I see and what I see is not looking good Intel on the other hand is also trying to look at the future and say alright how the heck are we gonna go ahead and look forward 
Well, in a world where Intel had to move heaven and earth in order to break 10 nanometers, as far as how small they could make their stuff, they have decided to move forward by instead of calling it nanometers, just call it Intel 7 and Intel 4 and Intel 3. And then entering a new era, era called the Angstrom era. Instead of calling it nanometers, just call it 20A, which is apparently also still smaller than three nanometers. To which I say, good luck. In the end, it is just names. What really matters in the end for Intel are the benchmarks. It really wouldn't matter at all if they just stuck to 14 nanometer forever, as long as the performance per watt metric was there. As long as they could go ahead and make a more power efficient, a more powerful processor in all of this. It could literally not matter what they call it. That being said though, NVIDIA is looking forward and it, and they've already announced that their next, or not really announced, but it's leaked out that their next generation GPU codename Lovelace. I don't know who Lovelace is. I don't know if that's another electrical engineer or not. But their new Lovelace architecture is going to be based on the five nanometer node from TSMC. But here's the real question. Can it actually exist? Five nanometer is great and all. But the real metric in how valuable a a GPU is, that's based on its ability to stay on the blasted shelf. Meanwhile, LG is planning on making a 480 hertz refresh, refresh rate panel for its next model of, or for other people's gaming monitors. 480 hertz. It, but that clearly doesn't matter because, of course, the human eye can only see up to 60 hertz. So it doesn't matter if you go higher than that. That's at least what all the trolls in, at Yahoo Answers tells me. And everyone knows that anything on the internet is always true, right? 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 Okay, seriously, at what point is the refresh rate of these monitors just going to be so absurdly high that we literally cannot tell the difference? I already thought we couldn't tell the difference between 280, for, for, between 280 hertz and 360 hertz. What the heck? How much more of a difference is there really going to be between 360 hertz and 480 hertz? I I legit want to know, but I got a feeling I'm never, ever going to exactly know 
Unless we get some lunatics with a slow motion camera. Do we know anyone who has that? No? Okay. Someone in chat says it's fine. We just need to finally invent those bionic eyes so we can see up to those frequencies. Ah, that's the new CSGO meta. In the year 2525, CSGO will still be the esports title of choice. But we need cybernetic implants to be able to use these 2000 re hertz refresh monitors. Why we don't just plug the game directly into our brain at that point is beyond me. That being said though, as far as new technology goes, Apple has won a patent for an in-screen touch ID and for in-screen face ID. So that means that they're gonna have a facial scanner built into the screen of your phone and have a fingerprint reader built into the phone screen already so there's no mark on the phone. You don't have... So what they're saying is that Apple invented the ability for me to take my phone like this, put my thumb up to the phone like this, and have it unlock like this. That's brand new technology right there, and Apple invented it to do exactly what I'm doing right now with my phone. Even though I can't do it right now because my phone doesn't lock because my watch is nearby. But Apple invented it, even though my phone already has it. But no, this is clearly a patent that is specific to the Apple Touch ID method, not just an ultrasonic fingerprint reader like my S21 has. Uh, meanwhile, Valve is doing a little bit of damage control in regards to their Steam Deck, which, by the way... By the way, holy cow. People are already trying to scalp the Steam Deck. I can't remember if we talked about it last week or not, but I'm just going to put it out there. In case you weren't sure if the Steam Deck was going to be popular or not, they're trying to scalp it. And eBay stopped the scalpers because the blasted thing's not shipping until December. How the heck could you have it in stock? You literally can't. But I digress. Valve has now openly clarified that when they said that the Steam Deck can play AAA games, that their target was 30 frames per second, not 60. I, for one, am greatly disappointed that Valve had the sense that on a 7-inch screen, they'd focus on 720p and, and, and 30 FPS. How dare Valve not just go full on in, partner up with LG, and get 480 frames per second on a little handheld. How dare they? How dare they? In all seriousness, I mean, I, 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 I already assumed Valve was doing 720p 30 frames per second. How were they not? It made the most sense. And the end? I'm still okay with it. I actually do like the concept of the Steam Deck and I can't wait to see what is 
available in it. Meanwhile, for those of us who don't care about handhelds but want to go ahead and dream about having a game console, Sony has launched a beta for being able to add an M.2 SSD and have it be used as additional storage. So the PlayStation 5, if you take off its panels, has an M.2 SSD slot built into it. So you can just add your own solid state drive. But it wasn't enabled. Now it is enabled as a beta TM. However, you mu- the, the SSD must meet a number of requirements. First off, it must be a PCI Express Gen 4, 4, 4X or X4, whatever, M.2 NVMe SSD. The capacity can only be between 250 gigs and four terabytes. It must have a passive cooler on it for some kind of heat dissipation. It must have read speeds of 5,500 megabytes or faster. It must have a width of 22 millimeters. 25 millimeters is not supported, specifically says that. The form factor must be M.2 type 2230, 2242, 2260, 2280, and 22110. These numbers can be found on the retail listing for the M.2 SSD devices. The first two digits refer to the width. The remaining digits refer to the length. And it must be a socket 3 SSD. Or specifically a key M. That is the word of Sony. Oh, by the way, the height of the SSD cannot exceed 1.25 millimeters, including the heatsink. Otherwise, you know, the panel won't go back on. Now, even though this whole thing just sounds very technical and very, oh God, that sounds super scary for me. Woe is me, whatever will I do? I actually greatly prefer this. Even though it means that friends would come to me, the tech guy, and say, hey, I I need the storage in PS4s. Here money go do. I prefer this much over the Xbox Series Series way of doing it. Which means that your $80 SSD you're adding costs $200. And I think when push comes to shove, Sony did it the right way in this case. And now, with no good segue to this whatsoever, I give you the last burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. China plans to build the first clean commercial nuclear reactor. Which is using as its active material thorium.
So apparently using thorium instead of uranium for a nuclear reactor results in safer nuclear waste as well as also um, all sorts of other benefits to this. But um, I'm not going to lie. The fact that... um, the fact that China is doing it has me very concerned because the last time that China followed safety protocols, they let a super virus out into the world that we are still feeling the effects of to this day. I'm not going to lie. I, I have concerns. I have immediate concerns. Also, the thumbnail they, they, you, they're using here looks like they have a bowl of actual... Um, Like actual like dog food or like some of that like safety kitty litter or something like that. The point is, is that I have uh, concerns, but hey, at least thorium apparently cannot be used for a nuclear weapon, or at least that's what we're told. And yeah, this isn't so much a weird story as it is just a, where the heck did this come from? story so to that i thoroughly apologize but i'll give you this little thought the fact that this is being used for the first clean commercial nuke reactor implies there is a first dirty commercial reactor or the existence of a residential nuclear reactor which then raises a whole other list of questions. And I think before I go too paranoid, we should just say that is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening. And I do encourage you to check out my daily podcast, The Early Bird Briefing, which you can find at anchor.fm. Early Burb, B-I-R-B, Briefing. And check out my Twitch page, twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon. Early Bird Briefing is just short versions of this podcast, four minutes each, a little daily dose of what you got here. Take care, and I hope you have a great day. Okay, maybe I'm just really, really hungry, but this bowl of thorium used in this this article looks an awful lot like just chunks of mac and cheese. It is like the exact same color as like Kraft macaroni and cheese.
Which then just brings up the question. Is this why we call it radioactive orange? Hmm. There's so many more questions. So little time. Someone in chat sa says that the exact shape of it kind of looks like hot dogs that you'd go ahead and just chop, chop up into it. And it's just, you know what? The more and more we look at it, the more and more I realize I should probably just stop and go have some real food that doesn't have a half-life 